Well, praise God. I'm going to preach you happy this morning. So I want you to get your Bibles out. And I want you to go to the book of Matthew. Matthew 14, 22. I preached the best message I ever preached in my life last week. If you missed it, you need to go listen to it. Talking about the parable of the sower. Amen. And uh, it's such a profound message because it, God puts the ball into our court what we're going to do with it. Whether you're going to walk in victory or you're going to walk in defeat. It's all sitting in your court. He's already won the battle. He's already won the victory. He's already taken it. He's already triumphed over the enemy. He's already drugged the devil down the street and showed that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? You should be happy about that. But then yet, we as Christians, we tend to struggle and, and try to find our way through life and, and, and get knocked down and get back up. And we try to go, and some people seem to be more successful than others, and, 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 and life becomes a battle. Just what that video was saying, just life becomes a battle. But I'm going to preach you happy this morning. I'm going to show you something about tapping into life and how you're going to do that. But I, I want to add to, this is part two of last week's message about where you're headed. That was the title, Where You Headed, and about learning how to walk and, and have a hundredfold return in everything that you do. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, hey, get ready. Now, I want to show you this this morning, but you got to get engaged here. you gotta, you got you to help me preach this, okay? I get better preaching when you start giving me some faith and pulling me along. See, if you're just going to sit out there and look at me and just want to go home and play in the mud, then, you know, then, you know, we ain't going to get nowhere. Because I'm going to keep preaching. Because I'm not going to quit until I see you maybe got it. So the quicker you get it. All right. But if you're sitting there just looking at me like a cow going through a new gate. Well, then bless God, I'm keeping preaching, man. I'm going to keep going. So anyway, here we go. Matthew 14, 22. Story about Jesus walking on the water. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Now, while he sent the multitude away, and he had, and he'd sent, as he, when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, listen to me, church. I just got to, you got to grab hold of this. Listen to me. Ever since the fall in the garden, we have lived in a world that is, is, is cursed, Okay. We're not in a world. We don't live in the garden anymore. We live in a cursed world. It's just the way it is. You can complain about it. You can whine about it. You can wish it wasn't, but it is, and it's here, and we're in it, okay? There's no way out of it till we go to heaven, all right? So we're living life in a trouble-tossed sea, but how you approach it's going to make all the difference in the world. Now, here are these professional fishermen, and they're tossed in their boat, and they're getting fearful, so it's got to have been a pretty bad storm. Right? Because they're, they, these guys know what they're doing. They, they don't, it's not like the first time they've been in a boat. They know what they're doing. So if it's a bad deal, then it's a bad deal, right? So we live in this world today, and yes, the world's getting crazier, and yes, you just don't know what next bizarre thing's going to come up. And we all tend to want to say, ah, like it's too much. We just can't handle any more craziness. Can't everything just get back to some sort of normal? Right? Everything's costing more. Food's costing more. Everything's doubling. Things, I, can't even under, I can't even believe it. And just, just the cost of doing business and everything's just, I mean, you can't even keep up with it. Like every morning you've got to raise your price. 
Hello? And the things that you can't get and the things that people are doing, it just, you know, I, I, I'm just shocked. I'm like, come on, folks, this is America. You're supposed to have, a, you know, great companies and businesses and stuff, and everybody just starts, you know, changing this. So before long, they're going to, you know, you can't get a long sleeve shirt. It's only going to be short sleeve because, you know, they can't afford the material to go on. It's going to have to be short sleeves or something. Then they're going to get shorter and then whatever, you know. I mean, it's just the stupidest thing. You buy a pair of shoes, you only get one set of shoestrings, you know, something of this nature. I, you know, it's a bizarre. It's beyond bizarre. But anyway, and so I just don't know what to expect. But one thing I do know is that you've got a choice in life. When you're on the toss sea, you have a choice in life. You're either going to turn to Jesus and get through it, or you're just going to melt and just become fodder. All right? So, it says, for they were tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now, on the fourth night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. Who walks on the sea? Just think about this. It does not make any sense. Just listen to me. There's nobody saying, well, I hope somebody's going to rescue us. Maybe somebody will come walking along in a minute. Right? It's not a thought. It never happened before. The closest I can come up with was when Elijah, uh, Elisha threw in the stick and, and caused the axe head to swim. That was a, a defying off on the water. But it, before that, there was no water walking. There were seas parting. Right? But there was no water, men just walking around in the water. So why, why when they looked out, why did Jesus do this? Just think about it. Well, one reason, he had to get across. But still, he's just walking on the water. So imagine this. The sea is so tossed and so violent that the disciples are freaking out in a boat, and Jesus is just walking. Now, that's one I want to see when I get to heaven. I want to watch the DVD on that one and see how that worked out. Was the water like, the waves are like parting and it's flat and he's just walking? I don't know. Anyway, I want to see that. So anyway, here he comes. He's walking. He's walking on the sea. See, no matter what trouble you're in in life, it doesn't really make any difference. Jesus can just walk right into the middle of it no matter what it is. There's nothing that stops him. There's nothing that can hinder him. And it doesn't make any difference except you may not ever think he was coming that away just like they weren't expecting Jesus just come walking up on the boat and say hey guys and so then they go and when this and when the the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying oh it's a ghost so their mind went to the only thing they could relate to it he was like he wasn't walking he was like you know like floating or something it was a ghost isn't it interesting that every time in life that that when, when something goes wrong, we all get apprehensive, and then it's, it's everything, we, everything we're looking at is going bad. The sound we hear, we think, oh, that's got to be something bad, you know. Hello? It's like I'm saying you're driving your car down the road. I've used this example before, but you're driving your car down the road, and you hear a noise. No one thinks anything good. Right? You hear a noise, a rattle, or something doesn't sound right. Oh, what's that? Something's about to fall off. The car's about to break down. Your mind goes through all this. Nobody thinks, you know, I snagged a five-gallon bucket of gold coins and it's dragging underneath my car, you know. Nobody comes up with those kind of thoughts. It's always a horrible thing, right? You wake up in the morning, <coughs> you got a little cough. You're like, oh, my God, I've got it. RSV has got me. <laughs> got to go to the doctor. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, man, in a minute I'm going to cough up a gold egg or something, you know. But God is the God of the supernatural, and God wants to do things supernatural in our life. But you're going to have to be sit, put yourself in a position to receive and walk in the supernatural. 
So here these guys are. They're sitting there saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Who did they cry out to? Just think about this for a minute. Who did they cry out to? They're in the boat screaming. What? To who? Did they pray? Were they crying out to God? Oh, God, save us. It is God. Or did they just look at each other and scream? Ah! So I don't know. But can you imagine Jesus? He's walking on the sea going to them. And they, let's, say, let's say they prayed. Let's say they cried out to God. Oh, God, deliver us. There's a ghost coming. Don't you know Jesus? Because he would have heard it. Don't you know Jesus just said, These guys you gave me, Lord. Father, these are some real doozies. Hello? Anyway. So then he calls out to him. He says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, you got to understand something. That, that is a, a translation of what was said. All right? But if you really want to know what's said, he, really a closer translation would be, Don't be afraid. I am. Now, remember that because I want to get into that in a minute. But that's more of a good translation. It's more like he said, hey, it's me. I am. I am the I am. I am the one that can make anything happen. I'm the one that can do everything. I'm the one that parted the Red Sea. I'm the one that, that created it all. I am. It's me. Don't be afraid. Isn't it amazing that the Bible says so many things to us in the Scriptures, written down in black and white, and we can read it, of God's all his amazing things he wants to do for us and to bless us and to, 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 to answer our prayers and do all these things, yet we get in so much fear and doubt and unbelief. So then Peter, he answers, he says, Lord, if it's you, what, does he have doubt? I mean, like, why are you questioning if it's you? Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. He said, well, come on. Here's another DVD I want to watch. Because, like, how did he do it? You know, like, did he, like, did he test the water? Did he, like, sling his leg over the side of the boat? And, like, he tested the water? You know, is it hard? Or did he just jump out? <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> I am standing. Was there a 42-inch sidewalk of hard? Or was there six foot? Or was there, did he, you know, was he walking... Was he walking like this, you know, toe under toe, <laughs> like on a balance beam? These are things I want to know when I get there. So he walks on the water. Ah, uh, but when he saw the wind and it was boisterous, he began to be afraid. You're walking on the water. These are things that I just have a hard time with. You're on the water. You know it's Jesus. You're doing it. I would think nothing around you would make any difference. But he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he got his eyes onto the wind. He got his eyes on the wave. To Christians, we cannot get our eyes off of Jesus. Listen to me. I do not care what's the, what the government says. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how many end-time prophecy books are written. I do not care what prophecies are coming, what demon gods are out there, or what this is or that is or whatever they're saying and what the next big hoopla is. Folks, listen to me. We're Christians. We're born again. We're washing the blood of Jesus. He's got us by the, in the palm of his hand. Ain't nothing going to take us out. And we have to be the people that look at the wind and say, my God's bigger than you. What God's looking for in life is faith. He's looking to see if we're going to rise up at this moment when the world is in a bad place. 
and rise up and, and, and have faith. That's what he's looking for. So immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. Immediately he stretched out his hand. He didn't let him sink. Keep going down, keep going down. Said, I'm going to let you drown there for a little bit. And I reached down there and get you, you no good, sorry thing. No, he didn't. He reached down immediately, picked him up by the hand, and says, oh, you of little faith, why'd you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those that were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Now I want to take you to another scripture, John chapter 10, verse 10. You know it. It says, a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So let me ask you the question. We're all real big on the thief coming to kill, steal, and to destroy. Because we look at our lives and we walk outside and we see the bad things happening. We're struggling in this and struggling in that. And if you don't watch it, you become focused on what's being stolen and what is the problem and what is a hassle. And you're not focusing on the other half of that scripture. Yes, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but... Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. Now, how much is an abundance in heaven? How much, just think about that, is an abundance on heaven's standard? He said, I want to give you abundant life. Man, churches have preached for so long, oh, God just wants you to just get by. You know, that's what he wants to keep you humble. In poverty, barely making it, so you're always seeking him. You know, they've preached that and they've preached that and preached that and beat the church down and beat the church down and beat the church down. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you the opposite. I'm telling you, God wants to give you a Mercedes just so you can give it away. Well, that was a bad example. Let me change that around. God wants to give you a, a, an F-250 King Ranch edition. Now, now, that got you a little bit better that. Because y'all say, I give that Mercedes away. Why don't we focus in on what the thief can kill and steal and not just start focusing on the abundance? Why don't we spend more life trying to figure out how to fight the devil and just get focused on the life that he wants to give us and get so caught up in life that you don't even see what the devil's trying to kill and steal anymore? He comes to your door and knocks and you say, who? I ain't got time to mess with you. I'm over here in life. So if the devil is stealing, then Jesus is flowing life to us. This life that's flowing to us, just think about this. If we focus on that life that's flowing to us, well, then that's where our victory is. So why, okay, I'm sorry it happened. I'm not trying to, to, to make the problem small. I'm sorry the issue happened to you. But, folks, if you stay looking at it and worshiping it, then you're never going to get over here where the abundant life is. You're going to be focused right there on, and, and become a victim your whole life. This happened to me. Oh, my God. I, can't, I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this. Wait a minute. You're sitting there looking at the problem. you got to get over here and look at the answer. you got to get over here in the river that flows from the, flows the river of life down here. you got to get into the... And I'm not talking about party down. Because I'm sitting there saying this and that makes me sound like I just want you to sit around... And just party down. No, I'm talking about living a life of Jesus with there's abundance coming to you all the time. That you're blessed. That you're not discouraged. You're not sad. You're not, you know, uh, uh, running and wringing your hands through your hair. Biting all your fingernails off. Freaked out all the time. I'm talking about looking at the abundant life of God. So I'm going to show you this morning. I got like five here. How are you going to tap into life? It's just that simple. How are you going to tap into life? 
You say, well, you know, preacher, you just don't know. No, I do know. But what are you going to do about it? And so I'm challenging you here this morning, but I'm giving you the answer to what you need, what I need. So here it goes, how to tap into life. Number one, you have to understand that God is your source. Folks, listen to me. The reason why we're in such trouble in the world today and in the United States today is because the government became people's source, not God's your source. God has to be your source. In Exodus 3.13, you don't have to turn there because I'm just going to go through it fast here. In Exodus 3.13, when Moses was talking to God, you know, the burning bush experience and all that was going on, Moses, God tells Moses, I want to send you back to Pharaoh and do all this. And so he says, <clears throat> by the way, when I go... Uh, who am I supposed to say is sending me? Who do I go back and tell the people of Israel when I say God told me? But they're going to want to know who this God is because, you know, Egypt is full of all kinds of gods. And so then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, well, what's his name? What shall I say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Or I am the great I am. I am that I am. I am the God that whatever your need is, whatever's going on in life, I am the God who's got it. Are y'all with me? Just think of this. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what need you have in your life. If you have a need to, uh, you know, to be healed, a need to, uh, for a new car, a need for better housing, a need for... Um, emotional healing, a need for a husband, need for a wife. I don't care what your need is this morning. The I am is the one that can fix it. Do you believe it? So the first thing that you're going to do to get into, the, into life, in this abundant life that's flowing towards you, the very first thing you got to do is God has to be your I am. He has to be your source. He has to be the first one you look to. So then you've got Genesis 22, 8, where God speaks to Abraham and says, you know, I want you to offer up your son to me. And Abraham goes through with it, trusting in God that he could even raise the dead. And it says in Abraham, verse 8, 22, 8, says Abraham said, son, uh, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offerings. He's the God that always provides. Okay, in, in verse 14, that's where God provided the ram and he made the, 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 the offering. And did what he did, and he said, this is Jehovah, I'm calling this place Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You see, folks, you got to understand something. I don't have any faith. I want to be honest with you. Here, listen to me. Don't get mad. Don't throw rocks. Don't run out the building. But I don't have any faith in who our next president is. I want to be honest with you because he's a man. I have faith in God getting behind somebody and making something work. Are you hearing me? Oh, I, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to vote. I'm going to be in the middle of it. I'm going to try to discern which one is going to be the best person and vote for them. Hello? But I'm telling you, my faith has got to be in God, that God's going to do something miraculous. God's going to move. His glory cloud's going to fill the temple. He'll do it. And that's where my faith is, that God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide. He will provide whatever's needed. Amen? The second thing you have to have, now, listen to this one. The second thing you got to have, you got to understand in life, is that you need wisdom. I want you to understand something. I don't care who you are, myself included, 
We're not smart enough to figure it out. You know why? Because God's always got a way, like walking on the sea. To make a provision, like, here's one that always amazed me. Elisha, when God sends him, he's at the, he's, there's a drought in the land. He's at the river. He's got ravens bringing food to him. And then the brook dries up. And the ravens quit coming. And God says, now go to Zarephath, to this widow over here. My logical thinking says, come on, your God, just keep the stream flowing and the birds flying. I mean, what's the deal? But see, there was a woman at Zarephath God wanted to bless. So a lot of times in life, we don't understand the journey we're on, the adventure that we're on, because we're looking and thinking, well, it must line up this way. It has to line up this way. This has to be, and this has to be, and then that has to get in place, and this has to get in place. And we're trying to get all of our cats herded in the right direction, Right? When God's saying, look, I want you to quit worrying and I want you just to trust in me because along your journey of life, I want to bless people. I want to use you in your journey to come across these other people and bless them. So it seemed like a great inconvenience to Elisha, but he had to go. and He went down and found the widow and he says, you know, go make me a little cake first. And she said, man, I just got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil is all I got. He said, well, go make me that cake first and bring it to me. And the woman said, okay. And she did it, and then that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil never left. It was always there. And she survived, and her son survived. Now, if Elijah would have stayed over there by the brook, that woman would have died. See, we don't always understand, but James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given. I mean, it's, I, mean I don't know how you can... I don't know how you can yeah, but that one. Right? It's pretty simple. If you want godly wisdom, God will give it. That means when you pray a prayer and you say, God, I'm in this situation. I don't know what to do. I ask you to give me godly wisdom. Boom! Godly wisdom's coming. Did you hear it? Did you receive it? Did you, did you grab hold of it? I don't know. But I'm telling you from heaven, boom! You may have to develop your listening skills, your hearing skills, your, your whatever. He'll give you wisdom. I had a person give me a piece of paper this morning with a word on it that was an answer to my prayer that I prayed on Thursday. Had no earthly idea what happened that way. He said, yeah, but you're special. You're Pastor Robert. No, no, no. I don't get any excuses. I don't get any, I don't, it's not fair. I've talked to him about this. That I should get an extra dispensation, but I don't. I mean, we've been over this before time and time again. I'll answer the call, but I get special treatment. No, I got to do it just like you do. But I, I, I needed an answer, and I, and I know I need wisdom. So I go to James 1 and 5, and I pray. And I say, Father, I just thank you for giving me godly wisdom in this situation. Show me what to do. Boom, boom, bada, boom, boom. And then here's my answer three days later, four days later. It's for you, every one of you. But you see, we're too busy. We're over here looking at the problem. <laughs> Look at the problem. Look at what happened. To ever rise up and walk over here and walk in abundant life. It's what do you want to do? It's what do you want to do? Well, you don't understand. My grandma was negative. My mama was negative. Everybody around me is negative. It just seems natural for me to be negative. 
Well, then you're going to reap that. So suffer and be quiet. I'm sorry, but I mean, just suffer and be quiet. Go to the corner and just sit over there and suffer. But I'm telling you, there's abundant life for you. This is not, I, this is not, I, look, folks, I'm telling you this from my life. I'm not telling you this because I needed to come up with a message this morning. I got in some, some tried, I read a bunch of self-help books and got some stuff to go tell y'all. I'm telling you the truth. This is the way the gospel works. That's what I'm anointed and called to do is to preach the truth. And that's what I'm telling you this morning. But if you don't use it, there's no recourse except negativity and destruction. So Proverbs 1 and 20 says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. So wisdom's always calling out. Are we going to ask God for it? So the first thing is God's got to be our source. Second thing is you got to get godly wisdom because you got to quit trying to figure it out yourself because you're not smart enough to figure it out. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I'm not. All right? The third thing. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you see what that scripture says? <laughs> see, most people quote the first part of that. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Okay. And. Everybody say and. and. See, there's, another, there's an and in there. So, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And, that means also, like you get this with it. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Oh my goodness. Then that means those that love speaking death are going to eat the fruit of death. And those who love life are going to eat the fruit of life. Ooh, boy. So then what you say produces fruit. What you say produces fruit. I mean, just wake up in the morning. You husbands, wake up in the morning. Holler at your wife. Woman, get in here and fix me breakfast. See how that fruit's produced. Just see how fruit, how that good fruit you like to eat. Are you with me? The, what you're saying out of your mouth is going to produce fruit. Good fruit, bad fruit. See, again, I, there's this, there's this, there's this, Spirit, I guess you'd call it, out in the world where people will hear what I'm saying and say, yeah, but, you know, you don't really understand. No, I really do understand. You don't understand. And the world's going out there doing and saying whatever they want to and then wondering why it's coming negative towards them. Well, they're eating the fruit of what they said. Here's another one, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Keeps his soul from trouble. You don't want your soul tormented? Keep your mouth. Let's carry it a little farther. James chapter 3 verse 2. If, if for all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So James said about it. Get a bit, put it in your mouth, let God be the one that's holding on to it, and you'll be a perfect person. You can control what's coming out of your mouth. So, 
First thing, God's the source. Second thing is you got to have godly wisdom, right? Third thing is, is you got to watch your mouth. What are you saying out of your mouth? If you're going to walk in life, if you're going to walk in abundant life, you can't, listen to me, you can't have the negative coming out of your mouth and stay in the river of life. It takes you out to a dry and thirsty land. So when you wake up in the morning and you start self-accusing yourself, you're just standing in front of the mirror and you just accuse yourself about everything. You're bringing death to yourself. You say, yeah, but if you go do all those stuff, then you're just going to go arrogant and all. I, you know, I've seen very few people that are really arrogant in the Christian world. I find most Christians are just beat down. That's what I find. I find most Christians are never reaching their full potential because they don't even believe that the God on the inside of them could use them to do anything. That's what I believe. And I've always said I'd rather have you crawling up on the walls and me having to pull you down than you just be laying there dead and me having to do an IV and you trying to get some life in you. You know? And if you do get arrogant, God has a way to just, you know... I'll never forget it one time. This is a terrible story, terrible story. But I was young, and I didn't know Jesus. And we were playing, we were, we were playing football, and uh, there was a young freshman, and he thought he was, you know, better than he was. And so, you know, we were going to run out of the field house, and they always had the banner, you know, and the cheerleaders were there, the band's playing, and they're going to bust through the, the banner. And... Uh, you know, big deal. And so this young freshman, he got up there, and I was watching him because I was smart. I'm the, I, I knew from the beginning, early in life, stay in the back until you're called up front. So I just walked out of the field house. I didn't care if I busted through the banner or whatever. I knew my day would come, and I didn't care. I was a freshman too. But his kid worked his way up, kept working his way up and getting closer, <laughs> closer to the front. He got up amongst all the seniors and juniors, you know, they were getting ready to run out. And I said, man, this ain't going to be good for him. And sure enough, the band kicks up, and we're going to all run. And one of the seniors looked and saw him there, and he stepped back and let the kid get in front of him. And as he went out, he just went, Choo! just kicked his foot. Well, he just tripped and fell right through the banner. <laughs> and then everybody ran right over him. And that right then was a day that went into my mind, saying, that's what happens when you get arrogant. Somebody's going to kick your foot out from under you, and you're going to end up being the laughing stock, not the, not the hero, okay? So I learned right there. So what I'm saying to you is I'd rather see you having something coming out of your mouth and being standing in front of the mirror and saying, boy, you're good looking. You're going to make it in life. Jesus with you. Whoo, boy. You're going to be okay. You're going to overcome this. My foot's a little thing for God. God will take you through this. Man, you are a mighty man of God. Look at you. You're doing a whole lot better feeding you some life than you are standing in front of the mirror tearing yourself down. Amen? Okay, the fourth thing. The fourth thing is kind of along those same lines, but let me ask you this. What are you aiming for? you got to know where your sights are. Where, what are you aiming for, okay? Maybe you're looking at the wrong goal. Maybe you're not hitting the Mark that you won't because you're looking and distracted. Remember the, the, the parable of the sower? The cares of the world, the deceitfulness, the riches, and the lust of everything. They come in and they distract you. And you get distracted and your eyes are off and you're not on the right goal. I don't want to have to read it all. 
But in Luke 24 is the story of the walk uh, of the, the the men on the road to Emmaus, and they're walking along, and these men are so discouraged and they're so disappointed because Jesus didn't do what he what they thought he should do. They're disappointed because they thought that that. Uh, Jesus was going to walk into the temple and that he was going to go in there and he was going to set himself up as a king and he was going to start ruling from there and then all the oh nasty Romans are going to get thrown out and the, all the Jews are going to get put in the place and they were going to be ruling and this is what they were thinking and then the next thing you know he's dead. And then they're talking about it. they went to the tomb and they couldn't find him and they said, well, you know, the people are saying that he was raised from the dead and, and they can't fathom that, they can't believe that, they can't like, why would that happen? See, they never could see the big picture that Jesus was going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. They never really understood what the Scripture said because Jesus had told him he was going to do this. Plus, in the Old Testament, he had talked all about it and why this was going to happen so that Jesus would be the Son of God and deliver us from our sins. But they couldn't see it. So they got their eyes on the wrong sight. They wanted to see Jesus physically in Jerusalem on the throne. And so that's all they're looking for. So then when it didn't come down like that, well, they're, they're devastated. And these men are walking down the road. And Jesus comes walking up. They don't recognize him. And so they tell him everything going on and all that's happening. And they tell him all that. Then they went down there. And then Jesus says to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. And all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning at Moses and all the prophets expounded to them, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus then took the scriptures and explained to them everything. So it was already in the scriptures. He didn't have to make something up. He used Old Testament scriptures to show them what took place. Right? Because the Bible wasn't written in the New Testament. So it was already laying there in front of them, but they didn't see it. So sometimes we need to be praying and saying, God, open up our eyes so that I'm shooting at the right target. I'm trying to hit the right mark. It's, I have the right goal before me. So let's just say this. Let's say, let's say you, you're trying to better yourself. You're trying to get out of, uh, of, 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 uh, 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 out of poverty, and you're trying to get into prosperity. But you want to get into prosperity so you can show everybody else how much better you are than they are. Uh-oh. Wrong goal. Oh, you want to get prosperous so you can help somebody else get out of poverty. Right goal. You want God to just strike your husband dumb so, no, well, he's already dumb, mute, so he can't say anything ugly to you, okay? Maybe you got the wrong goal there. Are y'all with me here? I heard a person say this, and I, I, I even kind of think this is a little extreme, but um, I see what he was talking about. He said that every night you should write down Six goals for the next day. Write down six goals for the next day. Write them down before you go to bed and leave them on your nightstand. And that the moment your eyes open in the morning, you should rise up, put your feet on the ground, pick up your piece of paper, and start walking towards those goals. I thought six might be a little extreme because if, if it was just, I'm going to do the clothes today, wash the clothes... Well, you know, it doesn't seem like a, a big enough goal. But then again, if you've never washed your clothes before, then that would be a goal. 
But my point is, what are you aiming for? What are you setting out there? What are you setting in front of you? Make sure that if you're going you're to walk in the river of life, you're going to have life flowing to you. When you have your goals properly arranged, it goes back to the other one, asking for wisdom for God to help you do this. Hello? So maybe you should be looking at your goals. Today I will make my husband submit. That's not a goal. All right? Today I will make the workers pay. It's not the right deal, right? You got the wrong goal there. Okay. So the number five here. Number five. Now, this is, this, is, this is really amazing, okay? And I don't even, you know, sometimes I look up things and I start researching things and then I get over my head and I, can't, I don't understand it. I can't, like, grasp it. It's too much. Like when you start looking at physics and you start looking at the things in the human body. But my wife was showing me this picture. And I don't know, was that thing on Facebook? Where did you see that thing about that little thing carrying the, the ball? The happy, the happy thing. I don't know if any of y'all saw that. It was this crazy thing. Somehow or another, the scientists had taken a, a video, a picture, whatever. It was a video. Somehow they'd done this. Where it was this, basically it was the happy endorphin that's going to go into the certain part of your brain cell. And this other little, uh, see I'm really explaining this really good. Y'all just going to get this down like y'all, y'all are going to say, oh yeah, I, re- I know exactly what he's talking about. But there was this other little hootie that had that, had that endorphin. Did you see what I'm talking about? Okay, you know what a hootie is. Okay. Well, there was this little hootie in there that had hooked to this endorphin, and then they slowed it down, and this thing was slowly trudging along a little track, pulling this round-looking ball that was a happy endorphin, taking it to your brain to put it in there. And so as I was looking at this thing, I was like, God, you're so amazing. I mean, you made us, and you did this, and you got this little hootie running around inside, dragging little balls of happy around, taking it in my brain right now. This is what I got out of it, okay? I mean, there's all kinds of technical words here that I can't even t- say, okay? But this little hootie just doing it, and I think I said, Lord, I I, I couldn't say the, I couldn't say what it was, and so I just said, Lord, I think you I got a little hootie in there, just dragging my little happy ball up to my head right now. To make me happy, to get my thinking straight. And you start going and you start researching all this stuff. And there's all this stuff about how when you have happy thoughts that it starts really creating actual neurons in your brain and starts literally forming new connections in your brain and, and bad ones start dying and new, new hooties get in there. And I'm like, how? Just thinking of that. Just, come on, folks. I mean, it blows my mind. It boggles my mind that God created a... A body like this that does that. And then some yahoo wants to tell me we just crawled out of the sea as a slug one day. You know, just a ball of slug there and, 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 and turned into what we did. Oh, bull. That takes more faith to believe that than it did than, the, than God creating me. Right? And so, so here's the fifth thing. Okay? What are you thinking on? Now, Paul said it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. He says, be anxious for nothing. Wow. Be anxious for nothing. How many of y'all would just say, yeah, I got that one down. Give me something else. <laughs> yeah, no problem there. I got it. I need something other challenge. 
Come on, pastor, preach something good. We get anxiety about all kinds of things. We get anxiety about, you know, life, about family, about children, about finances, about work, about environment around us. And, all. you know, you don't even realize it sometimes. If, I mean, like last night I told Laura, we, we got an alert, possible hailstorm, and I don't, have my, I don't have a carport, and I have a barn, and so we drive the cars up there and put them in there. So we do this all the time, and it never hails, thank God. Why? Because I stopped and I prayed. So I said, am I just being stupid here or what? I just prayed, God, I think you know hell's coming to my property, but let's put the trucks up under the barn. <laughs> what kind of a prayer of faith is this? See, I caught myself last night. I was like, what kind of a prayer of faith is this? Well, because I don't want to be anxious. That if it did hell, my truck's under the barn. We do this all the time. We build stress upon ourselves and become anxious. But Paul literally says, be anxious for nothing. So you should, your, your goal in life is to not be anxious. So how are you going to do it? Well, he tells you. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now, just stop right there for a second. Wow, isn't this, this is crazy talk that we're supposed to pray and talk to God, and then believe that he's going to answer that prayer. Crazy talk. No, it's called faith. It's called believing that God heard your prayer. Well, I don't believe God heard my prayer. What time I prayed, I didn't get an answer. Well, maybe because you're over here focused on killing, stealing, and destroying. Instead of being focused over here on the river of life flowing into you, and so you've got so many neurons hung over in the bad side, and you ain't got no hooties bringing you nothing. And so you don't have peace. You don't have peace because you're not walking by faith. You're walking by sight, which already tells if we walk by sight, we're going to be a mess. So then he goes on. He says, well, okay, well, let me give you a little extra here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. And the things that you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he says, what are you thinking on? And he says, so if you start thinking on, you know, just what he said, things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. But what are you thinking of? So I just ask you the question. You don't have to answer me. But what are you thinking of? Ask yourself, what are you thinking of? What's consuming your thoughts? Because if your thoughts are all thoughts of negativity, then that's why you're being killed and still stilled. You're being killed and stilled from. That's why the devil is killing, stealing, and destroying in your life, because that's what you're thinking on. Well, it's not that easy. I mean, just because I thought this doesn't mean it happened. Do you know, one of the very first things I learned about when I was first started riding a motorcycle was that what you look at, you will run over. There's a pretty simple law of physics there. If you stare at it, you're going to hit it. You see a rock in the middle of the road up there, and you say, oh, it's a rock in the road. It's a rock in the road. It's a rock in the road. You're going to run smooth over it no matter if your whole body is saying, don't hit the rock. 
Because you're focused on it and everything in your whole being goes for that goal. And so you got to get your eyes off of it and then you'll miss it. But what you're looking at, you're going to run over. So what you're looking at in life, what you're thinking on, what you're saying, it's going to come to you. The law of attraction is going to happen. You're going to just gather it all in. And you're blaming it on God and saying, well, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's saying, just like Jesus on the water, I am and I'll help you, but you got to look to me. You got to see I'm not a ghost. And so Christians, we have this little bit of faith because see, you've never seen heaven, but you sure hope it's real. See, it's so far out there. Heaven's so far out there. You've never seen it. It wasn't like you got on a cruise ship and went to it. Where are you going this week? Oh, we went over to heaven and checked it out. Saw my mansion I want to get into. You've never done that. So it's so far-fetched. Christians will get saved and say, oh, I believe in Jesus because I want to go to heaven. They say it's wonderful. Okay, you've got some faith in that. But then you come over here and say, oh, God says just think on these good things, and then the peace of God's going to come in your life. Well, that's just crazy talk. I mean, you've got to get in the middle of this thing and fight it out and worry and fret and, 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 and rip and tore and, and, and get all this stuff done and make sure you've got all the demons and the dragons slayed and all that kind of stuff so that you can, I can have victory and go on. Well, that's not what he said. I, I read an article the other day that said that they interviewed 700 felons, asking them the question that when they, when they were out on the street and they saw a person that they were going to mug or they were going to hijack or steal their car or whatever, what, what did they look for? And you know what the number one thing they said? Is a person that wasn't put together. They looked like they were a little bit disoriented, like, like they were a little discombobulated, like they didn't really have confidence and didn't really feel like, like they knew what they were doing and they just looked a little bit of out of sorts. He said, those are the ones we always went for. And the moment I heard that, I just was like, man, that's what the devil does. When he gets somebody and they're a little bit off and they don't know, they get their faith a little shaken, they get something happening, and then he just, he just jumps, pounces. And then you know what the second one was? The second thing they said is they always were, they always... Uh, were they, they would never attack a person who walked with confidence because they knew it would be a fight. So I thought, there you go again, how you walk in life. You get up in the morning, put your feet down and say, bless God, the a son of God has risen. I am going out into the world today. The devil says, oh, I better leave him alone. He's, he's kind of feisty today. <laughs> Let's go find some other weak Christian over here to attack. Let that one go. You see, folks, even nature tells us that what I'm preaching to you makes sense. Isn't it amazing how, how uh, certain children's songs can get in your head and drive you mad? And you may not have even heard them. It may just a, a tone sounded like it, and it got into your head. And then you cannot stop it from playing over and over and over in your head. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You want me to sing one for you right now? Torment you a little? Y'all know it? Right now I could say it. I could go into one right now and y'all would be driven mad by the F this evening. Be in there listening to everything you could possibly find. Try to get it out of your head. Why not it being the way 
that God intended that what's speaking to us and, and, and not driving us mad, but bringing us peace is the word of God coming to us and resounding within our lives over and over again. Because you've got neuron paths that are driving you into the insanity when we need the neuron paths driving us into glory. And it's all about what you're thinking of. So I'm going to give you one. The other day when I got this message, the Lord just gave me this scripture, John 15, 15. You need to get John 15, 15 through 17, and you need to just get it in you. I want to read it to you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made note unto you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. There's seven, I mean, I guess you could get more, but there's seven glories glories in that scripture okay the very first one is did you know that God called you a friend now this is what you need to think on the God that created the heavens and the earth and all the ring has called you a friend you say well but pastor I mean he was talking to the disciples and you're not one maybe you need to get saved he called you a friend you're a friend of God God's my friend well, that's just too much for me. You just don't understand. No, I just know you've got all bad thinking, and you're going to have to change it. So you need to start stepping up in the morning. The first one, one of the glories, the seven glories, you need to say, I'm a friend of God. Amen. Second one is, you have a father. One of the main things that we have to do at the orphanage all the time is to get the, 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 the kids, when they come, to quit thinking of themselves as orphans. And now they're children of God, and they have a family. It's all of us there at, at at the orphanage. You have a father. You do. Third thing is, he says he wants you to know all things. He said, he said, I, I, I want to, all things that the father have given me, I'm going to give them to you. There's not anything God's trying to keep from you. He wants you to know everything. He wants me to understand the hootie. I ain't got it yet. I'm working on it. All right. But he wants me to understand all things. Because there's things I sit down and I talk with him about. And I say, there's just some, there's a, there's some things I want to understand, Lord. I just don't really, I, I, I don't have the full grasp of them. I want to understand how this works. I want to understand the workings of God. And you say, well, no one can do that. God is a mystery. No, he's not. God is my father. And I'm his friend. I'm his child. And he said he wants to reveal all things to me. And yeah, that does look mysterious sometimes because we don't walk on water. But in heaven they do. Or in that instance, Jesus did. The second thing, the fourth thing here, excuse me, the fourth thing is, this is this will blow your mind. He chose you. You see, you think, yeah, I mean, God, you're so gracious to let me in the kingdom. No, he chose you. He chose you when you were a sinner. He chose you. Well, I feel pretty special when they were playing the Red Rover game and God said, I'll take Robert. Makes me feel pretty good. I've asked the Lord so many times because, see, this is one of the very first scriptures he revealed to me when I first got saved. And I was like, why do you want me to preach? You know, why, why, why? there's more eloquent of speech and 
And there's better people out there that could do this. And he said, no, but I chose you to do this. The fifth one is, is and, and I appointed you for you a purpose. God appointed for you a purpose. You have a purpose in life. You have a purpose in life. You say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Go to number two and ask for wisdom. God's your source, number one. Number two, ask for wisdom. He'll tell you what your purpose is. The sixth thing is, of these six glories here I'm giving you out of, that, out of John 15, you have the ability to bear good fruit. What comes out of you doesn't all have to be negative. You can't say, well, I'll just take a 50-50. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's a little sour. No, he wants you to bear good fruit. And then the last thing of the seven glories here that you need to be thinking of is that anything you need, he said he'd supply it. Okay, so I just want you to just think on this. this I'm finished. I'm through. I'm not going to look. If God Almighty says to you, whatever you need, I want to give you. And we say, it's just, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can believe that. Wow. Think how much of a slap in the face of God that is. That, that he says, I want to do this for you, but we're going to just sit and dwell in the past. We're going to dwell looking at this issue. We're going to focus all of our attention upon the devil and him killing and stealing and destroying. Not on that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. We're going to focus everything upon the past, everything upon the, 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 the craziness in the world, everything upon all the wrongs and the, 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 mis, the injustices and the, the, you know, the craziness that's going on in the world. We're going to focus all our attention on there and stay over there when we're supposed to just be thinking happy thoughts. We're supposed to be just asking God for the little hootie to bring the happy thought and drop it in my head. Well, I can just say this. If that's where we want to be, and we're just going to focus on that, well, then you've got to admit we're not really very good Christians. We're nowhere living to the potential that our Heavenly Father sent His Son to die on the earth for us. So, good news is today, I told you how to get in the river of life. I told you how to now start sowing good seeds to defeat when the devil's coming to immediately steal the word from your life. Now, you know what to do. Amen? So look at the person beside you and said, hey, get going. Stand up if you would, please. Can I have my prayer team come down? For those of you out listening and watching the broadcast today, I just want you to understand, Jesus loves you. He's got great plans for you. He's got great things for you. And I just want you to know right now that if you don't know for sure, if you died, you'd go to heaven. You don't know if you're right with God, but you want to be right with God. You want to be right with God. Well, the Bible says that it, if you would confess with your mouth and you would believe in your heart, just what I've been talking about, this area of faith, and just turn to God and say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you gave your life on the cross for me so I could have eternal life. And you pray that prayer and you mean that prayer from your heart, then right there God will touch you and he will save you and he will deliver you and place within your heart a spirit that's born again that you would then know the things of the kingdom of God. If you're in here today, listen, this is why we have prayer team people up here. They want to pray with y'all. 
They want to ask and, 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 and believe with y'all and see God do miracles. God says if two of us agree it's touching anything, he'd do it. So we got somebody up here to get in agreement with you. But if you're, in, if you're here in church today and you're not sure you're right with God, I, I encourage you, come to the front and pray with these people. Just simply walk up and say, hey, I need Jesus. And they'll pray with sinner's prayer with you. They'll lead you to the Lord, and you can walk right out of these doors saved. I highly suggest that if you don't know you're right with God, do not leave this building. That is wisdom speaking to you. Come to the front and pray with one of these people and get Jesus in your life. Now, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to pray over everyone else, and I want to tell you something. You need to take this message, and if you didn't take notes, you need to go listen to it again. You need to get these five points down in your life, and you need to get those seven glories coming out of your mouth. And if you do that, I want to tell you, you're going to start to see things happening and changing in your life quickly. 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 So I'm going to pray for you. If you want it, grab hold of it by faith. I want to believe God for miracles. Father, I just pray right now over everyone in here. I pray for everyone listening, but everyone in here, Lord God. I pray, and I ask you right now that supernatural, divine intervention would come into people's lives. That, Lord, where they have been hoodwinked by the devil, where they have been lied to by the enemy, that, Lord, the, 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 the veil would fly off of them today. Lord, the hood would be lifted up and they'd begin to see, Jesus, all the glories you have for us and that you want us to walk in abundant life. And so, Lord, I just pray today that they're going to walk in abundant life. I pray today that they're going to see, they're going to hear, they're going to walk. Lord, I prayed over myself that I would be anxious for nothing. Wow, Lord, anxious for nothing. Oh, and I praise you for that, Lord. That is the power of the life of God coming into our life. So, Lord, I pray over every one of them. I ask you to bless them. I ask you just to let today be the greatest day of their life and let this message be sealed in their hearts. Lord, sealed in their hearts that brings forth fruit and victory. And, Lord, we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church, and we're here to pray for you if you need it.